are listening to Fast Track Podcast, the place to be to fast track your personal finance or fast track your business or both. Through a series of conversations with those who have learned it, done it, and made it. In this episode, I will talk with Peter Saddington. Peter Saddington is a four-time founder, author, and an agile coach. As an early adopter of Bitcoin, he bought his first Bitcoin in 2011, and in 2017, he used 45 Bitcoins and bought a Lamborghini. In 2016, he bootstrapped a car app and media company called VinVicky with more than 1 million YouTube subscribers. In 2017, he co-founded Amrit, hardware job for the world's fastest-growing IoT wireless network. Let's hear about how he created a large global community, his recent venture Amrit.io, and how Agile helped him in his entrepreneurial journey. Hello, Peter. Welcome to the Fast Track Podcast. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for inviting me, Asi. I appreciate being here. I'm very excited to have you, and. I know that you bought the first world first Bitcoin Lamborghini, and I want to talk about that because in our audience we have a lot of people who are in the blockchain space or who invest in cryptocurrencies. So, how did you learn about Bitcoin at that time, and how did you get involved into it? Great question. So, long story short, in October of 2011, I read an Ars Technica article online that said that a a particular development stack. A code coding language had lost value. Now, for me, never being never heard of Bitcoin before, never heard of cryptocurrency before. For me, as an engineer and developer, when I heard that a a tech stack like Java or C Sharp or .NET or Ruby had lost value, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And so I immediately just dug in for about a full month, researched a ton about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. I think I lost like. Five or seven pounds or so during this period, and I was so convinced that this technology was going to be world changing that I bought my first Bitcoin at a dollar and fifty two cents in November of two thousand eleven, and ever since then I have been an avid cryptocurrency Bitcoin supporter. Obviously, I've built several startups in the cryptocurrency space and did a lot of content from the two thousand sixteen to the two thousand nineteen period. During that time. I also、uh, thought it would be a great marketing campaign for one of my venture-funded cryptocurrency startups to be the first person to buy a Lamborghini Huracan with Bitcoin, forty-five Bitcoins, and so that was my fifteen minutes of fame, Yasi, where I was all over the world. I was all over the news from Yahoo Finance to CNBC, Maxim, Forbes. I was on Chinese television, Russian television, Korean television. I still get. People today that、uh, say, "Hey, man, I saw you on a, like a scammy advertisement from Russia,"、uh, and because because they have my face and a Lamborghini behind me.、Um, but yeah, I think it was about three hundred million views or so worldwide, and so that was just a great way to bring people into this idea of cryptocurrency and learn about. Yeah, it has to do with money and fancy cars. I get it, but it was a great it was great optics and it was a great way to get people introduced. So that was my little、uh, marketing campaign from my previous venture funded startup. And did you hold on to your bitcoins, or did you sell some of them besides the forty-five bitcoins you use for Lamborghini? I am an avid DCA or dollar cost averaging investor, so that's something that I've been preaching for over a decade to all the people that I know. So I still invest a hundred dollars a month 
into Bitcoin, no matter the price. Uh, and so I, I've lost a lot of Bitcoins in the 2011 to 2014-15 period uh, because we were still writing um, our addresses on sticky notes at the time. Uh, but now I've gotten, I have more discipline and I'm using hardware and cold storage and these types of things. But uh, certainly I'm still investing in Bitcoin and will always invest in Bitcoin until I guess maybe Bitcoin becomes the preeminent and dominant mechanism for monetary policy. I asked this question because a lot of early Bitcoin adopters actually didn't gain anything because they lost their wallet address. That's true. I, I, I've lost more Bitcoin than I'd like to admit. And considering the price right now, I think we're above 12,000 right now. Mm -hmm. uh, when I look back at that, uh, Yasi, yeah, that uh, it does hurt. It does sting a little bit. <laughs> you're, not, you're not the only one. And okay. And also, how did the transaction happen? Like you, you, you transfer 45 Bitcoin to someone, the car dealer, or how did you do it? Great question. So we actually have a video on that on my YouTube, but I'll, I'll explain it briefly here. Essentially, it, the car was on consignment, which means it wasn't owned by the dealership. It was being just marketed by the dealership. So it was on consignment by a, a doctor who loved cryptocurrency. And when I heard that he was accepting cryptocurrency, I said, man... This is the time. So I contacted him, said, Hey, how much do you want for it? We kind of, the Bitcoin at the time was about, I think it was about 5,500 or 5,000, 5,500 uh, per coin at the time. And so we came out to a price of around 225, 230 grand. And so we just did the transaction. I sent him half of the Bitcoin um, just real quick, took you know, 15, 20 minutes to resolve on the blockchain and these types of things. And then I, I send them the rest of it uh, at, at delivery at the dealership when I was signing some warranty papers and stuff like that. So it literally, the entire transaction probably took only about, you know, three minutes in terms of typing stuff in and then about 25 minutes for it to resolve on the blockchain. So it was really just, hey, here's the Bitcoin, you give me the title to the car and off we go. So it was really simple. Wonderful. And it's a very interesting story. And I watch it on YouTube and other CNBC, I guess. <laughs> so I encourage the audience to Google Peter Steddington and Lamborghini and watch how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, I am the, uh, I, if you Google like Bitcoin bro or something like that, I think I'm the first face on Google images for like Bitcoin bro or something like that. So yeah, I'm, I've, I think I've become a meme here. <laughs> <laughs> but your face is not only for that, right? You're also a co-founder of WinWiki, is that right? That's right. That's right. I am co-founder of VinWiki. VinWiki is a startup based out of Atlanta here, essentially a Carfax competitor. So one of the problems that we were coming across as especially exotic car owners is that the data around cars is number one, outdated, and number two, doesn't get updated for months or sometimes even years, depending on how that data is in, put into the government databases. And so we wanted to give people an opportunity to self-report what they're doing with their car. Here's an oil change, snap. Here's a picture of it. Here I got a little dent, but I took a, I fixed it. And here's how I fixed it. And so it looks better now. And so our hypothesis, Yasi, was that if people self-report on their own cars, the hypothesis was that you'd be able to sell your car at about $1,500 to $2,500 more because it's more accurate data. And so far from our users and from feedback, we find that to be appropriately so. And that it's great to be able to say, go to someone and say, here's my car, you wanna buy it. Carfax says all this, but it's all generic information. 
here's my VinWiki profile. Here's all the stuff that I've done to the car. Here's the oil changes. Here's the pictures. Here's where I got a little scratch and I buffed it out. And that enables people to have a more verifiable and relevant data around their car so they can sell it for a little bit more. So that's a growing company. We, our YouTube channel, I think, is a 1.3 million subscribers right now. Our application is growing. Our VinWiki application is growing about 300, 400 users per day. And so uh, it's really exciting to be part of that startup as well. Right. And also, I want to ask you, how did you amass 1.3 million <laughs> subscribers on YouTube? What is your secret? My secret is storytelling. And so you can probably imagine already, I've talked about a couple stories here. And so we found that the world of the world just loves great stories. And so something that you're doing exceptionally well here, Yasi, is you're bringing on people to your podcast and to your show um, and people that tell great stories. And so the more that you do this, the more popular you be can become. And especially as you get a couple lucky breaks here and there with some, maybe some famous YouTubers or some famous content creators, maybe me, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I can certainly in introduce you to some other great people that should come on your show. You just keep Thank doing you. it. And you, yeah. yes, yeah. And, and you don't quit. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. So you might might have heard, you might not have heard of Casey Neistat. He's a YouTuber out of New York City. Um, obviously, one of the largest uh, YouTubers in the world is PewDiePie, uh, based out of the Netherlands, I believe. Um, and these guys aren't exceptional. I mean, their content isn't exceptional. However, they've never quit. And Casey Neistat, I think he's been on YouTube for 15 years. I think PewDiePie is probably about the same 15 years. And so it really is a content grind. And so if you're, if you have the persistence, if you have the dedication and you have a great personality and you're fun like you and you keep doing it, you will grow, you will grow. And so VinWiki, we've grown to 1.3 million subscribers over a period of about three and a half years now. Um, and it's just been it's just been great. And so I, I uh, encourage everyone out there in the content space to not quit because 99% of all content creators quit. And those that survive are the ones who keep going and keep inviting great storytellers onto their show. Great lessons. That's really pure gold. And You're, thank you. <laughs> And have you ever made any mistakes in the past three, four years with your channel? Of course I've made mistakes. <laughs> I mean, how many mistakes do you want me to tell you? Uh, I've made Let me give us a couple of examples that you, the, you, you get the biggest learnings from. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you three stories. Okay. I'll tell you three stories and, and maybe not all of them are mistakes per se, but the first cryptocurrency YouTube channel that I built in 2016 was a, a YouTube channel called bite-sized Bitcoin. And my slogan, whenever I introduced myself was welcome to bite-sized Bitcoin, where we discuss and demystify Bitcoin and blockchain technologies. And my whole goal of that particular YouTube channel was to educate the world around Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Now, I made about 25, 2700 videos on there, and then I got demonetized, and then YouTube deleted all of my YouTube videos. I lost thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of work. And what I learned from that experience is that in many ways, you can't just promote and you can't just market on one channel. Don't do it. Right now, 
whenever I put out content, it goes out to about 19 different mediums. So it goes on YouTube, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Uh, it goes on TikTok. It goes on Pinterest, Facebook. I could go on and on and on and on. And so the, the best content creators are the ones who build content and then cut up that content for different types of mediums. And that way, if you lose like YouTube demonetizes you and deletes all your videos, at least all the other sites won't, you know, they won't delete your stuff. So you'll still be out there. So that's the first story. The second story about learning in the last couple of years or so is that community is king. Community is king. And so one of the best ways to grow your channel, one of the best ways to grow your content and your world is to create a place for community to join and community to talk. So I'm assuming maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, Yasi, but do you have a Discord channel? Nope. <laughs> you need to have a Discord channel, Yasi. You need to have a place for people to talk. All your subscribers and the people that love you and love listening to your content, you, they, you need to give them a place to commune, to communicate, and to connect. The, the three C's, commune, communicate, and connect. Yeah. And so that's something that I learned early on. And one of the mistakes I, I made early on was not giving my community a place to talk about what I was talking about and to grow that relationship with people. So Yasi, your job after this uh, podcast is to go make a discord channel. You send me your invite. I will be one of your first people in your discord <laughs> saying, what's up and saying, good morning, every morning. The third story about learning and maybe I'll, I'll give you a, a better mistake here is that when it comes to content, focus is key. In the beginning of my bite-sized Bitcoin channel, I was all over the place. Yeah, I was talking about education and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and what you know Ethereum is and all the basics of sorts. But then I began to expand out, and I used to do I used to do all these different types of themes and different type of topics. One of the problems with that with my audience is that they didn't know where my focus was. Was I more of an entrepreneur or was I more just a content creator? I did a lot of interviews as well, so people were like, "Is he more of an interviewer person?" Oh, but he's also talking about the startup he's doing. And so it confused people. And so when I, when bite-sized Bitcoin channel was shut down, I built a new YouTube channel called decentralized TV, which grew really fast. Um, in that I just focused on news and I found that more that I grew faster because of my focus. And so one of the things that I learned and one of the things that your listeners and, and viewers can take from this is if you wanna grow faster, you gotta focus. If you wanna grow slower, then talk about all sorts of different things all over the place. But focus equals faster growth. I hope that helps. Yep, indeed. But I also, my experience is that some startups, when I ask them, who do you want to sell the product to? Many of them say, oh, could be anyone. <laughs> That's not a good answer though. Yeah. That's not a good answer. And the reason why, and it's funny that you say that because just last week we had our team Emirate, our team Emirate global summit where all of our team came into Atlanta. We had our partners fly in all over the place so that we can, and you guys can check that out on my Twitter on at agile Peter. You can see all the, all the days, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five of our summit. But one of the things about this, about bringing everyone together we had an opportunity to talk about user personas. So what is user personas? 
User personas helps you focus on who your target market is, who your target audience is, because you can't build for everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want to build for everyone in the future. However, in the beginning of a startup, you got to focus on your primary user, your most valuable user, your user that's going to use your system and going to give you feedback. And so you're, when you talk to startups and they say that, hey, we want to build this product for everyone. That's not a good answer because you can't build for everyone right now. Build for a user that will give you feedback is highly engaged with what you're doing and loves your product. From there, you can scale out to other user personas as you grow. Yeah, be targeted and stay focused is quite important. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, as you mentioned, Emirate, you are the co-founder of Emirate, and you ventured into the blockchain space already before, and also you received VC-backed funding, I think. VC funding, yep, venture yeah. capital funding. And tell the audience, what is Emirate? Oh, I was waiting for you to ask me the question, Yassi, because this is my passion. So one of the things that I have been trying to do ever since I started creating content in 2016 is how can I lower the barrier to entry? How can I, Yassi, get more people into cryptocurrency? And I've learned that there's so many barriers from education. What is Bitcoin? What is crypto? What is digital wallets? What is digital exchanges? Like what is hashing? What is mining? What is, you know, airdrop? There's just the, the educational responsibility uh, is, is so high. And there actually requires a little bit of sophistication to get into cryptocurrency effectively. And so educating people is great. I think it's something that more content creators need to do. But I've always thought about how can we get people into crypto and they don't actually need to know crypto. And so I noodled on this problem for a long time. How can I get people into cryptocurrency and they never have to learn about it? Well, we came up with this great idea, Emirate, and our product, CoolSpot. So CoolSpot is the world's first hardware drop. You guys have probably heard of airdrops, which are free crypto coins in, in the ether. But this is the world's first hardware drop where we're giving our hardware hotspot miner to everyone for free. So if you go to emirate.io, you can sign up and get a free hotspot miner that will pay you about 25 bucks per month in Helium tokens. And you don't need to know anything about cryptocurrency. You load up the Helium app, you get your wallet, you can see how much you're earning, how much you're mining, and you can spread it out and give out other cool spots to other people in your network. And so it's a great way to get into cryptocurrency and have the hardware to do so. And so that's essentially what Emirate is. It's a company creating the world's first hardware drop where we're giving free, free, well, a free you know, hotspot miner that mints you money that you can trade out for cash and soon we're going to have an off ramp so people can go immediately uh, instead of helium to cash, we'll just give them cash so they literally don't ever have to uh, touch crypto. And not only that, it gets them into the game of cryptocurrency and learning slowly about digital wallets and what does this mean and why am I suddenly able to make 25 bucks a month when the miner only costs me 37 cents a month to run. And so in some ways, and this is what really excites me, Yassi, in some ways, I, I feel like we have solved universal basic income for 50% of the world. Now, for us Americans, you know, North Americans, for example, we might not care about 25 bucks a month, but 
90% of the world is looking for extra money per month. 50% of the world is 25 USD per month is life-changing money. It's awesome. And so if I can give my cool spot, which is right here, this is what it looks like. If I can give my cool spot to people and it earns them 25 USD a month, they now can have a passive income that can fund their ideas, fund their products, fund their projects, or live a better life with more autonomy and freedom because they have literally a, 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 a hardware device that makes them money. And what else is there to like? And so we, we love this product. We love, we love that we've uh, been able to build this and create a business model around it. And we invite all of your listeners and watchers to go to emirate.io to get your free hotspot, cool spot miner. And I will leave the link in the show notes. For sure. And the question to you about Helium project, maybe the audience have not heard about it. So how Emirate powers Helium or how you work together? Great question. So Helium was built by Amir uh, about seven years ago, who's the president of, of Helium. And what Helium essentially is, is growing the IoT network. And so what they've done is they've used a really interesting gamification mechanism and, and incentive mechanism to get people into cryptocurrency and creating this IoT network through the people's, what they call hashtag the people's network. So what Helium did is they said, hey, you can buy a hotspot miner for 300 bucks or so, and it'll earn you Helium tokens. Over the last seven years, they've scaled out to about 10,000 miners worldwide. Now, we want to do that even bigger and better. So we at Emirate decided to leverage Helium's already existing infrastructure of the Helium network, as well as our IoT network, and we wanna scale it out even faster. So long story short, what's the goal of Emirate? It's to create the global IoT network of the future by giving everyone on the planet a free hotspot miner to create a global mesh network where everything that can be connected on the internet of things, IoT, can be connected. So whether you want to connect your phone or your car or your coffee maker or your refrigerator or your home security, anything that can be connected, now we're creating a free public wireless network that is away from the telecom industry. And so a couple years ago, I'll tell you a quick story. A couple years ago, Amir was at South, South by Southwest and he was speaking about disrupting the telecom industry because the telecom industry has such a, gra you know, a grip and a grasp on us consumers. And so that inspired me to, to think about, hey, how could we create a free public wireless network. And he was already beginning with Helium six, seven years, you know, building this IoT network and this infrastructure. So we said, hey, this is great. What a great project. They're already scaling out. We have the contacts, the partners and the vendors, the manufacturing, the shipping, these types of things. We know who they are. We connected with them and we said, hey, we want to go bigger. We want to grow the global IoT network of the future. And not only that, as we scale, as we scale out to the world, we want to invest in entrepreneurs and guys like maybe even maybe like yourself, Yassi, who are interested in growing small businesses. We will fund you. We will give you money. We will be venture capitalists to you if you want to build 
on the global IoT network or on Helium. And so it's a real awesome opportunity for entrepreneurs, not only to get passive income by getting like a cool spot for free, but also if you're an engineer and you want to build on it, I'll send you money. I'll help you become a better entrepreneur. So to make the audience understand that this is not a scam, please explain <laughs> that how they make money by receiving a free hardware from you hmm, great and question. how you make money. Yeah. Great question. So we receive about 80% of the mining rewards and though, and some people might are in, in our, you know, the hosts, which would maybe be someone like yourself or anyone that gets a, a cool spot for free, you receive 20% of the mining rewards. Now we're looking to up those mining rewards up to 30% in the next coming years or so. But people may ask, well, Peter, why do you guys need to take 70, 80% of the mining rewards? Well, it's simple. We have a team of 10 plus people all over the world. We're paying for manufacturing. We're paying for shipping. We're paying for the software platform. We're uh, the business platform for our regional deployment uh, partners. We're paying for technical support. And we're paying our meager and very small salaries of 10 plus people in our company. And so we are a legitimate company, but we also need to make sure that we have operational you know, capital to keep moving and to keep growing. So right now the split is 80-20, and we hope to make that closer to 70-30 in the next coming year to our hosts. Uh, on the other hand, for people like me or the other people who order this hardware, it's for free. So, but in exchange, we provide internet connection through this hotspot to the other IoT devices. Is that yes. so? Yes, you, pro mm -hmm. you provide wireless IoT coverage to create a global public wireless network that on entrepreneurs and engineers and creatives can build on. And it's not just like some sort of emerging technology. LoRaWAN or long range wide area network and long fi technology has been around for a long time. And there are tons of IoT service providers, IoT vendors, IoT companies that are already building on this. For example, Samsung and LG Toshiba, right? Big company, IBM, right? Big companies are already building sensors and building applications for the IoT world. The problem is, is they don't have a global network to run on. And so my conversations that are super exciting with some of these big companies is, hey, you guys have all this technology, you have all these products that you want to build on IoT, but the network is sparse. The network is small. It's not spread out and there's not full coverage everywhere. Well, we want to solve that problem. We want to make sure that there's full coverage everywhere. So any type of individual or big business that wants to deploy products on the IoT network will have a network that has 100% coverage and is global. So you created a business model that is win-win-win to all stakeholders in the ecosystem. Yes. Which sounds fantastic. It's awesome. It's awesome. And your background is in agile, right? Mm. You're agile coach. How do you think your background as agile coach contributed to your entrepreneurial journey? Great question. So I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I was the I was the kid in in uh, working on Telnet and BBS in the early 90s and I was one of the first people in my class in the mid 90s to be creating really terrible websites online, uh, and you might you might remember all the all the the meta crawlers and the web crawlers and all 
the, the things that were pre-Google of sorts. And so I've always been an entrepreneur. Now, I, when I first learned about Agile, so Agile is a software development framework, a software development worldview that is very lean. It is it, The whole idea is to execute quickly, work together effectively, small teams, uh, uh, respond to change quickly, these types of ideas. And so when I learned about Agile for software development, it made a lot of sense for entrepreneurial endeavors. Entrepreneurs need to execute quickly. They need to pivot quickly. They need to make decisions quickly they, because they have burn or they have investment capital that they're spending money, you know? And so Agile works really, really well with small startups and biz, big businesses alike because it creates a, a mental model or a worldview of how can we create hypotheses, execute against those hypotheses quickly, validate them, learn something, and then improve as we go. Instead of having these long-winded plans, these full-year build-outs, when you're building out something complex and by the end of the year, you build it and you deploy it and people are like, what is this? I don't know what this is, man. It sucks. Or it's not anything that I thought it was supposed to be. Well, things have changed in the last nine months. And so Agile allows us to make small incremental deployments to production, to our users, to our customers, getting feedback from them and learning and improving the product quickly as we go. And so Agile is great for startups as a consultant and trainer. I train people every month and companies every month on how to build their products faster using Agile and Scrum. I, I had an episode um, with a um, startup founder, but he used to be a consultant. They also learned Agile while he was a consultant and he finds it very useful since he started his own tech startup. So my question to you is that who else do you think should learn agile besides entrepreneurs? Everyone should learn agile. Frankly, in my opinion, agile is actually the natural way to work. For example, when we were young kids, right? When we were young kids, we didn't plan things out. We just did stuff. We just learned through experience. And what happens as we grow older, and this is fascinating, Yassi, is that as we grow older as adults, we feel like we know more, so therefore we can plan the future. The problem is, is that you can't plan the future. If I could plan the future, Yassi, I would have bought a lotto ticket yesterday and I wouldn't be talking with you. Uh, you know, <laughs> if I knew what the future was gonna be, then I'd Nobody knows. If you know what the future will be, you will be a scammer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we learn by doing as young children, young, you know, young kids. And so as adults, we forget that we think we can plan out, especially complex systems that we're trying to build. And so I see agile as the natural way of doing any type of work, take a small chunk, build on that idea, learn something from it, improve, get feedback, and then make the next iteration better. Uh, what the, one of the big problems with big companies is they plan for you know 15 months and then they spend 20 months building it and then the market's changed or the market shifted or consumer appetites have changed or COVID happens, right? And there's no funding for things. And then you've spent all this time planning and building something out and the future tanks you. The future changes everything. You know, the market changes. And so Agile, there's three really powerful things that Agile allows you to do. Number one, Agile allows you to deploy product faster. Number two, it allows you to reduce risk 
emergent risk of your project better. And number three, it allows you to make money faster because you're deploying that those things out to the world. I mean, if you go to emirate.io right now, the website's not perfect. If you log in and you go into your host account, it's not pretty, but it's functional. And the reason is, is there's no point in trying to polish, polish it and make it all perfect when we might learn something tomorrow and we're going to have to change everything. And so we want to build light frameworks. We want to execute. We want to ship, 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 ship product uh, so that our customers can get it quickly and then give us feedback on how to make it better next time. Right. Speed to market is so important nowadays. Yeah. You got it. What do you recommend to start with learning agile? There are well, like so many courses. <laughs> there are so many courses. And I, I mean, if I could chill for just a second, I am a certified scrum trainer. So I do certified scrum master courses and certified product owner courses every month. Um, and so I do one scrum master course and one product owner course every month. And so you can come learn from me. It's a two day public course. Uh, or you can simply go to agilemanifesto.org to learn about Agile and learn about the, the four core ideas and the 12 principles behind it. Um, or you can go buy a book. I've published a couple books on Agile and Scrum, uh, so you can look those up as well. Uh, but there's some great books. But you can also go to Scrum, Scrum Guide. You can uh, Google Scrum Guides and you'll find Ken Schwaber and Jeff Sutherland's guide on how to deploy Agile within the Scrum framework. So that's where I would start, agilemanifesto.org and Google Scrum Guides. Yeah, I will also put those information in the show notes. Thank you very much. And where can the audience find you, follow you on the internet? Mm, well, you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> this 19 different platforms. <laughs> There's lots of different platforms, but you can you can start off, you can obviously go to emrit.io, E-M-R-I-T.io, get your free hardware drop. It's free, you have nothing to lose, so just go do it. Uh, but you can also follow us on Twitter at Emirate.io, and you can also follow me on Twitter at Agile Peter. So those are the first places that you can start. And if you can find me on other places, that would be great as well. <laughs> Thank you so much for today's session. And I learned a lot from you and I hear a lot of interesting stories from you. And I hope the audience enjoyed this episode and follow you on the internet. Thank you so much, Yasi. It's been great. I appreciate you very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fast Track Podcast. Show me your support by liking this episode and sharing it with your friends. Join the Facebook group at Fast Track Podcast One, or you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and of course, the homepage, fasttrack.life. See you in the next episode.